Welcome to Roundtable, a new podcast from a women's thing about women who are changing the faces of their industries. For our first episode, we're thrilled to chat with Nikki Nakayama and Carol Ida Nakayama, the chef and sous chef of Ennaka, a restaurant in Los Angeles focused on modern-day kaiseki, a traditional Japanese multi-course meal. You might remember Nikki and Carol from the first season of the Netflix documentary series Chef's Table. I know that for me personally, from the moment I watched that show, I wanted to meet Nikki and Carol and eat their food, but that'll have to wait until the next time I get out to LA and can get a reservation. I had this sense that they were building something even bigger than a successful high-end restaurant. Culture of respect, thoughtfulness, and depth that is refreshingly different from the usual ego and stress-driven restaurant kitchen. Carol and Nikki have worked together in the kitchen for five years now, and they share a life as well as a profession. So Nikki and Carol, tell us about what that partnership looks like on a day-to-day basis. What's today been like? We probably both went to bed around four the night before. And then the moment we both wake up, it's just, uh, for me, I just have to start with making sure um, that there's a menu that everybody's going to be able to follow. So basically look at the guest list again and then go through all the the previous menus for our repeat guests and then create a menu that's going to work for the evening service. And then um, as the moment I get to work, it's about just um, having that be clearly written and then uh, get started on prep. And what about Carol's role? Carol's role is a little bit more detailed than mine. Not necessarily detailed, but I do a bit more of the um, gathering from our garden in the front of the house um, based on whatever menu that Nikki's been working on that morning. Uh, I might just have to pick a couple of vegetables and things for special guests that are repeating, or maybe there's a vegetarian that's coming, um, you know, whatever we don't normally source from our typical vendors that we could utilize the garden for. We try to as much as possible, as well as uh, all the microgreens. Um, so, yeah, I do a lot of the little harvesting <laughs> of the garden in the morning, and then I head out to kind of join her in the kitchen I love that you grow vegetables in your home garden and serve them at the restaurant. It's like a beautiful metaphor for your lives. What's in season now? Carrots. Carrots are growing in really well. And then we also have beautiful um, tabu and uh, breakfast radishes that are coming in and some mizuna. The garden was looking really good. We were so happy to discover that there's a couple of turnips in in the garden patch that were like perfect round beautiful ones that you kind of see in magazines versus, mm. versus sometimes the harvest is like, oh, it's kind of, it doesn't look as cute, but it's still delicious. It's nice to get one magazine turnip. <laughs> one, yes. So how did you two meet? We actually met online. Good story. We actually lived in the same neighborhood and I was, I was going to Carol's parents' sushi restaurant since like my teenage years. So having met in a romantic context, it must have been interesting to transition to working together. How did that happen? It was probably the first three months we had actually started dating that her sous chef suddenly didn't show up and mm-hmm. she was in a panic, mm-hmm. or as panicked as Nikki will get, <laughs> and it's pretty mild. Um, and, you know, I had my night free and knew how, like, stressful that could be as a chef to be left without your main right-hand person in the kitchen. Right. 
you know, at the level she was trying to, to make a NACA at that time. And so I kind of naively offered my help. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know what you were getting yourself into. Yeah, but it was it was great. I mean, I was very nervous in the get-go because I don't come from a fine dining background. My family has had sushi restaurants, but they're all very, you know, family-style, casual. Um, so I know all of the, the basics of Japanese cooking, but I never touched, you know, super fine, detailed plating. Right. Um, but it worked out, I think, through the years. It's <laughs> great. I, I find that I love that style of plating and that style of work. Seems very lucky that you each found someone who complements the other's strengths and weaknesses. How do you view your division of roles in the kitchen? I think we're very comfortable in knowing um, that we have particular roles in the kitchen, and Cheryl does things, she does all the things that are on some levels opposite of what I'm doing on the other side of the kitchen, and it feels very wonderful to be able to do the work independently and yet have that support when you're looking for it to help one another out. Yeah, I feel like it's great that there's it's a multi-course meal in that there are certain dishes that I can focus on more and there are certain dishes she could focus on more, but then, you know, of course, they all have to flow well together. Mm-hmm. So I think right. a little of us comes through yeah. in each of the, the dishes, but as a whole, it's a very unified meal. Yeah. So you obviously spend a lot of time together, working together and living together. Are there any times that you clash in the kitchen, and how do you work through it? I think when it comes to clashing in the kitchen, it's not so much having to do with the creative aspects of it or the food aspects of it. It's how we, how should we nurture our our team? Because mm-hmm. Carol is very great at teaching, and she's good at giving people, like, instruction and details, whereas I come from a Japanese background where nobody teaches you anything, and you're just supposed to watch and learn on your own, whereas Carol has a different aspect or a different point of view where, like, if you don't teach them, they'll never know, so it's a good education for me. So what does success mean to you at the end of the night? When can you look out at an empty restaurant and the last few plates on the tables and say, we did a good job this evening? I think the timing. Timing is what defines good service for us. When the timing is good on every level between for every player in the kitchen as well as on the floor, um, I think that's what really defines a very tight service, of a tight, successful evening. Yeah, I think the, the flow is so important yeah, to so. the food that we're, we're trying to do that if the timing is thrown off because certain guests show up late or, mm-hmm. you know, there's a hiccup in the kitchen yeah, or you mm-hmm. know, the make a mistake and we have to redo dishes mm-hmm. because of the sheer size and nature of our kitchen, it's very difficult to kind of get back in step and in sync with the whole team. So when the timing is so crucial, I'm sure it's important to cultivate the right team that can contribute to that flow. How do you find the right people? You know, a lot of it, I think, comes just from instinctive feeling about somebody when they walk through that door for their interview. I think even, you know, just when we're, we're meeting people on a social basis, there are certain people you naturally feel like you can click with or, you know, have a conversation with very easily, whereas others it might feel a little bit more strained. Um, and, of course, you look for different personality traits to kind of balance each other out in a restaurant environment. But ultimately, I think both Mickey and I agree that, like, at the end of the day, they have to have the right heart to work here. I think the most important thing that we always try to see in the people that work with us is 
to know that they have an understanding that it's, yes, it looks fun, but you have to love the day-to-day process of doing the same thing over and over and over again. And you have to do it with the same amount of intention each and every single time. It's like the, the skilled chef with, you know, the big ego versus like the humble um, craftsman. craftsman who just works at that particular piece of ceramic or wood or whatever it is they, they work with purely out of just sheer focus and joy of working on that project, you know? Because that's where the real part is for me. Nikki and Carol, you're very unique in that you're two women who run a high-end restaurant and your pastry chef is a woman as well. It's kind of sad, but it's definitely a rarity, at least now. Do you find that you have a preference for hiring women? Sometimes just very easy to connect with other women in terms of, like, ideas or, like, um, attitude or... But I feel like on some level, especially as of late with, you know, it being such mm-hmm. a topic, um, the, the whole feminist movement, and just I think it's hard for us as women to not think about it mm-hmm. when we're looking for new stuff. Of course, there are great men out there with great skill sets. but And wonderful personalities. Yeah. And I feel like we have them all here. We have a bunch of them here. <laughs> But should there be a woman that walks through that has similar qualities, you know, and I can't so. help but want to give her an opportunity that maybe she may not be able to get somewhere else under a male chef. I mean, I would tell Carol just basically, I mean, from the basic training that I've had in Japanese kitchen, it's, it's not this, the opportunities that are there for women are not the same as the opportunities that there are for men. And for us to have some as far as that we have, if we could give, if we could offer that some sort of those skill sets to women that don't have the opportunity to learn from other men, it would be wonderful to be able to be sort of like giving them that, that. support that, yeah. Do you feel like things have gotten any better for women in the industry in the time you've been working in it? I feel like with the boom and just this whole, you know, world's top 50 restaurants and just so much media attention, towards fine dining or this type of, of culinary field and it becoming such an international thing where chefs from young chefs from Japan are going to Europe or America to stage and, you know, bringing back those kind of more westernized kitchen cultures back to Japan. And mm. I, that is probably playing a little bit of an influence on the younger generation of cooks and chefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and giving especially women who maybe don't have those opportunities in Japan, this opportunity to go abroad. And maybe it's not learning Japanese cooking, but it's being able to cook in these high-end, high-end levels where they're not looked down upon or, you know, considered secondary citizens in these kitchens abroad. Nikki, do you ever find it hard to be the boss? Have you found it's been a learning curve to manage a team as well as perfecting your craft? Yes, because I... I think on so many levels, I'm so selfish because all I want to do is cook. And I was, I dream about having a team full of adults who are capable of managing themselves without having being told what to do or being hounded upon by somebody or need to be like, you know. Mm. And for the most part, I have that in our team. And I, I also understand basically that they at times do need directions that I should be more aware of and more mindful to do. But uh, it's a learning curve, yes. It's not something that's really innate uh, in my nature, but I'm fortunate enough 
that the people surrounding me are incredibly supportive and very patient and have the ability to take time to sometimes ask me questions that they deem are necessary to help them grow. It's great that you've created an environment that's about nurturing and building on your staff and their skill sets. How about for you personally? How do you keep learning and finding inspiration? One of the great things that happen with Chef's Table is, you know, we get invited to different sort of culinary um, festivals and events now that we would have never even have heard about in mm-hmm. our little and not the world, you know. And so now we get to meet chefs from all over the world doing all different styles of cooking and having all different types of philosophies and ideas. And so just having that little bit of connection to the outside world of cooking, outside of our little kitchen walls, I feel like that in and of itself always inspires us when we go on those trips. Yeah. Just eating, you know, eating. different countries and seeing mm-hmm. the scene in different different parts of the world. You both started out working in sushi, which is very technical, and eventually began working in a way that's very artistic. When did you feel like you were ready to stop focusing on technique and start focusing on expressing yourselves? For the young chefs or really any artists listening to this, what's your advice on making that transition? It's not so much a decision, but it's something that just happens innately. Because after you focus on technique enough or you learn something, the background, the basics enough, the expression just comes through naturally. Like knowing how to do something without even thinking about how to do it. Or just having the answers before. Whereas when you first start, there are no answers and it's frustrating. But once you practice enough of those basics, the ideas come and then you're when you want to express, you know you have the right tools to express them. So it's something that happens to you versus a conscious decision that you choose for it to happen. Thanks so much for chatting with us, Nikki and Carol. We'll let you get back to cutting the fish and getting ready for the evening. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thanks for being with us.